Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Bread podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello. And also our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hiya, Andy. Hiya. And our James, you and me and Joe Rimmer, who's not with us at the moment, uh, we were at Manchester City against Liverpool uh, yesterday afternoon to watch a game where we got a bit wet, but it was uh, worth it for the uh, entertainment that was on offer. It was. It was. It was. A, it was just a cracking game, wasn't it? From from start to finish, absolutely enthralling. You know, two teams so committed to attacking football. Um, you know, it was. You know, it, it felt like a cup tie at times. Really, the way that you know they just went. Both teams just went for it, and even even in the closing stages, quite often in a game like that, it might just peter out a bit, and you know you might get one team settling for what they had, but but nobody did. You know, and it was a difficult one to make sense of because. You know, come the end, obviously the Lalana chance is just such a glorious opportunity that went begging. You know, you think you know it, it could have been so much more for Liverpool, but then you know at the other end, you know Aguero has missed an absolute sitter for them. So I think probably one all was about right, but you know it could easily have been four each because it was it was that good a game. Andy, what was your view of, of proceedings? Do you think a, a draw was a fair result? And do you feel as though it, perhaps it was a case of, as Jay, James said there, that both teams were going for it because they realised that oh, we're not very good at defending here? Um, I don't think it's so, so much that they don't think they're very good at. I think it's just how both managers want their teams to play and that they're both massively committed to positive attacking football. And um, you couldn't argue that, uh, you know, to use the cliche, a draw was a fair result. But... Um, and it was a brilliant game. The two games against City this season have been absolutely... I mean, I, uh, I wasn't there yesterday, but uh, at uh, Anfield, the uh, the intensity of that game uh, for, for you know 1-0 game was extraordinary. And uh, it felt, just watching here from the office yesterday, it, it felt like that all over again. I mean, Leroy uh, Sané said after the game on, I think it was on Twitter, he said that it was such a very, very intense game. And while it was a different game to the game at Anfield, in that terms of that intensity, mentioned it was just the same, wasn't it? Yeah, they, it's just, you come out of it exhausted. I mean, I don't know how the players do it. Um, I just watching, and, and and you know, I was on the live blog for us, the match blog yesterday, and just trying to keep up with everything that was happening, while also obviously being, you're always a bit nervous. And it's one of those games where. Um, it was pinging around the box a fair bit and your nerves are shred to be honest uh, fantastic game of football if we're going to be if I'm going to be Mr Misery about it and that's I will my do job. for okay. my job. but well let me tee you up with, I think that's twice this season Liverpool have been ahead uh, once at Old Trafford uh, again a penalty and once uh, against City and what I think particularly in the City game Old Trafford was a bit different but I think Klopp mentioned that period of, sort of 15 minutes where they had the chances yeah. to put the game away. And I think against a team like City, getting the first goal's incredible because if they get the first goal against you and you're going and you have to sort of, uh, uh, you know, you have to, to try and bridge that gap, you leave yourself open massively to them on the counter. And we saw what they can do with spaces. Those balls they were trying to put in down the sides and where they got the goal from it, it was a prime example of the type of thing they were trying to create space wise. Um, but Liverpool had the goal and got a little bit lucky, obviously with the Milner and Sterling situation, where you know it was you know, clearly a, a penalty when you see the replays. Um, but you can understand why the ref didn't give it in in normal time. But uh, um, they got a little bit lucky, and, and I felt like then they had to go on and use that li- that little bit of luck. And I didn't. I, I felt like there was opportunities, particularly on the break, that Liverpool just. 
didn't quite take for all that City missed their own as well. Don't you feel as though Mane should have had a penalty though? Because our view in the press box, personally speaking, I thought I saw the replays afterwards all match of the day, and they were saying that oh, his legs got he's actually kicked Otamendi's leg, but it, that wasn't the foul. The foul was Otamendi put his hand on him and kind of pulled him back. Yeah, I think I, I mean in live time, I just thought straight pen, straight red. Yeah. Um, mm. It's he, Oliver either got really lo- lucky with his decision if you don't view the hand uh, as a pen and and cause I'm, I'm convinced if he did if he did see the fact that it was Mane who'd actually kicked Otamendi accidentally I mean he that that's that's a fantastic spot if you saw that if, if he did think, it he yeah, got a little think, bit lucky I think you're right I think he might have ended up getting it right but I think it was more luck than than judgment yeah. at that speed. And I think a lot of referees would have given a penalty yeah. and a red card. The penalty I, think. I thought Liverpool deserved was um, Torre, 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 Torre Wijnaldum, which yeah. no one seemed to be really talking about, which yeah. I thought was, was far more of a penalty after yeah. he did that he tremendous bundled, bundled the, him over, didn't he? tremendous meg on him, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so For me, the Mane one was a penalty, definitely. I don't see. I didn't even see what the complaint was about. It was the arm I, think on he's him. In, I think he's impeded him, him as well, yeah. even you know, by, by running right up. You know, Mane's, you know, they got the other side of him. Um, yeah, I, th- I think to not get either of those was, was <coughs> tough. As Andy said, you know, there was a let off at the other end. Mm. Um, the other bizarre one, which didn't even make the match of the day, two highlights on Sunday night was Kola uh, uh, Yaya Torre's challenge on on Chan. That's true. Yeah. Which uh, I, f- I found that amazing. That wasn't more of a talking point as well. When you know, he, it's a yellow, and I, that could easily have been a red. You know, he studded him in the shoulder. In the, you know, in the, in the end, where if, if it hadn't been raining, do you think it would have been? Yeah, I think red. so. But even 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 after, Chan did him a massive favour. Didn't make a big fuss of it. Yeah, did he? he got straight back up, didn't he? I, uh, I saw a couple of reports suggesting that the city fans applauded Chan for getting straight back up, not making a meal of it. I don't know if you noticed that in the ground, but I saw a couple of reports suggesting that, which I think is 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 good. And all, I mean, you could argue if you were being the most cynical person going that, you know, if Chan rolls around a bit and gets him sent off that yeah. And Liverpool helps, surround Oliver. Helps Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. But I will be honest, I don't want my team doing that and uh, fair play to Emery for getting back up and uh, and playing on. Well that comes back to should Liverpool are Liverpool too nice? <laughs> we could go around in circles here. We talk about the same stuff again and again. But speaking of Emery Chan, I know once again we talk an awful lot about Emery Chan in this podcast. The last game against uh, Burnley, yeah. he didn't play particularly brilliantly, but he played better than a lot of the other players and contributed the, the winning goal. He was man of the match, wasn't he, against City? Yeah, 100%. I thought he was Liverpool's best player. Um, Although he didn't I, start particularly he, well, though, did he? he? He looked as though he was kind of struggling to, to run in the early stages. I think that's just, that's just Emre Chandler, isn't it? Like he, just, he does tend to... doesn't exactly <laughs> race across the, the ground, does he? But it's there was just so many other facets of his game to admire in terms of you know the battles he won um you know he, I thought he read the game well you know outclassed Torre uh in midfield uh kept Liverpool on the front foot you know he was you know heavily involved in the goal with the you know the vision to pick the pass out to Firmino prior to the foul on him from Clichy um so yeah I thought that was that was much more like it from Chan because even even the week before when he I know he got the winner against Burnley but there was still all the parts of his performance that were that were pretty woeful, but he, yeah, he just used the ball so you know, so much better. It helped the fact that when Alden was brilliant alongside him, I thought the two of them um, just clicked, and, and and that was that was key. And you know, Lallana, I know obviously he'll get he has had stick for the missed chance, and I'm sure he'll be having nightmares about that. But he he was 
you know, he he had a decent game as well. You know, when you take away that miss, it was just it was just a shame for him because you know, he obviously just did not didn't realise did he just how much you know he didn't have to take it first time. He could have could have almost walked it into the net. It was and it would have been a fantastic goal as well. The, you know, the quality of that breakaway, which he was heavily involved in. You know, he burst well inside his own half. Um, so yeah, it was it was a big performance from Chan. Um, just I thought there was loads of positives for Liverpool really because I'll I tell you one. One thing I know you can say you could flip it around and say Man City created a lot of chances, but do, do you know what? Man City were really, really good. Like they were so much better than I thought they'd be. You know, I, I, I thought it'd be a good time for Liverpool to go there. Them on a bit of a downer after the Champions League defeat. Um, you know, and I think they've been accused of being a bit flaky and and maybe you know, f- you know, going to pieces a little bit when they're under pressure, but. You know, I think I think that was what Guardiola was getting at, wasn't he? When afterwards, when he, you know, no, well, I've got to say, we'll, we'll, we'll come to Guardiola in a bit before 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 you mention it. I want to speak to Andy about Chan. What's your take on on what he's done over the past week? Do you think as though perhaps the contract situation is making him improve a little bit, and that Liverpool should perhaps just offer him a twelve month rolling contract? So, well, I, I, saw, I saw your suggestion on on Twitter that they should do that, and uh, I think sadly. Uh, Agents overly, aren't overly fond of uh, non-guaranteed money. They like uh, it to be uh, signed and sealed. Um, I think we know what Emre Chan had spent his week there, and he'd clearly been watching Cheltenham because he was in he was in full-on galloping mode, wasn't he? Which uh, um, is when Chan's at his best. Before we go any further, Kemp, go on. No, tell us your Cheltenham story. No, I don't have a Cheltenham story. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> apart from uh, so so uh, apart from having a few days off, but the um, the yeah, he was. But I never have any. Fears about Chan in these sorts of games. These are the sorts of games where you know you can put Chan, uh, and maybe this is his his big bargaining chip is that you can put Chan into these big games, and you know he'll perform. This is you know he was thrown into the uh, Euro Championship semi final um, in the summer um, against uh, Pogba in, in midfield for France, wasn't he? And, yep. he? and he did really well. Uh, I know he was substituted in the end, but that was he hadn't had a lot of football. Did well, and in these big games, he's excellent. Where Chan has struggled. And where we made the point in the pod a couple of weeks ago was that uh, against those lesser sides that, that sit back and it comes down to little moments of creativity around the box, he can struggle a little bit to, um, to have an impact on the game because he's, he's going to have loads of the ball, but can he, can he make an incisive pass? And to a certain extent, he doesn't really need to do that in, those, in like a City game because it's about him covering, winning challenges, uh, getting up the pitch and, and feeding the players like like Mane and, and Coutinho and Firmino who can who can do the more intricate stuff at the, at the top end of the pitch. I mean, James, one person you mentioned as well was uh, Juan Aldum, who's somebody who, since the turn of the year, certainly he stepped it up a level. And when we when he first arrived, we did wonder where on earth he'd be playing. But now he just seems to have made that central midfield position his own. And I think he was he did an interview. I don't know where it was before the game where he was talking about he got a bit fed up being pushed out on the wings at previous managers, but he always thought he was a central midfielder. Yeah, and I think you've got to give Klopp a lot of credit for, you know, for, for finding that right role that's brought out the best in him. Because I must admit, when he, when he, when he signed, I thought we'd, we'd see him as one of the front three, probably, you know, probably, and, and playing out wide. And I remember doing an interview with Klopp on the, I think it was in Palo Alto in California on the pre-season tour last season, not long after, I think when Alderman had just arrived that day, actually, on, on the trip, and he, he he spoke then about just one of the big appeals was his versatility. You know, he, he just talked about him being a complete footballer, and he said, you know, he, he, this is a guy that could, I could play in five or six different positions. You know, it's it's down to me to find the right one for him, and he and he's certainly done that. You know, he's been that key link man really between midfield and attack, and 
Um, I've, I've, I must admit, I've been amazed at just how consistent he's he's been um, and the contribution he's made. Because you know, I think you you, you only be right to be a little bit concerned when you when you buy a player off a you know a, a club that's been relegated. You you know you do think you know, you know he was partly responsible for that. You know, can he actually mix it at the top end of the Premier League? Well, he's proved he can. And you know, I think also like you know. In terms of last summer's recruitment, you'd throw into the mix Mane. I thought, you know, he's had better games than than, than Sunday. But again, you know, just that that trickery and pace just causes teams problems. And Matip at the other end of the pitch was, was absolutely top draw. And so you'd, you'd come away thinking, you know, they they they've been three huge additions to this Liverpool team. You know, Liverpool didn't have a bad transfer window last summer. They just probably didn't do enough. Um, yeah. Totally agree on Wijnaldum. I think he's becoming. He's real. You too, too. By the way, we're going to have to have fitness tests. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I've been trying desperately not to do too much. Coffee, after a, after a, a day in the rain at Manchester, I think I it's, it's, it's got you both. But um, yeah, Wijnaldum. He's rapidly becoming. I think I wrote some, some along the lines of the, the sort of the connoisseurs player in the sense that you sort of he's not necessarily always getting goals and assists. Though he is, what's he up to five this season? I, I think he's in goal wise. Um, all obviously at Anfield, which is the big thing you say about him. He was so close to an away goal yesterday when he got brought down. It looked like he was about to, uh, uh, about to score. And uh, yeah, he's. I think it's his strength, which has has uh, his strength and those where people sometimes criticise Chan, where the first couple of touches are are almost to try and get it under control. With Wijnaldum, it's instant, and you can get a, a turn and space away in the middle. And that was noticeable on a couple of really important. Uh, moments yesterday where he, he picked up the ball under pressure and was able to control and get away from someone and straight away you're heading towards the City defence. Um, so I thought Wijnaldum was tremendous. I think the only real n- negative for me on the day, I don't know if you were going to come on to this, Ian, but I think we do need to talk about Origi for me. Origi? Yeah. I thought you were going to say Coutinho. I thought you were going to say Coutinho because no, I've got well, that written Coutinho, down. Yeah. Just, well, I'll tell you what, let's take Coutinho first. Well, yeah, Coutinho is basically, we kind of know, Suggest or well, we could have a guess what's wrong with him. He's not quite recovered from his injury. No, but I tell you, I was surprised he got taken off when he did. He did. I thought, I thought the last doing, ten I minutes. Doing better, yeah. I mean, that yeah. reverse pass to put Firmino in yeah. was superb, and he just started to buzz like the old continue for me. I think. I mean, as I say, I was here in the office. You guys were there, but it, it seemed to me like it was the wrong time to take him off. He was a lot better than he was against Burnley, although that wasn't particularly difficult. I mean, I know James wasn't massively keen on his performance. No, I, I thought he made life very tough for James Milner in the first half because you know I think City targeted Liverpool's left hand side and you know possibly partly because they knew that you know the pace of Sterling could get in behind Milner and, and cause cause issues. But I think also just the sheer lack of help and protection that Coutinho provided for Milner. I thought yeah, Coutinho was better second half. First half he was anonymous. Yeah, he was completely used anonymous. Rent, I think that was yeah. the perfect word. But... Which you know when and. You know, it's a, it's another it's another game ticked off where you know we we haven't seen him flicker back to life again, which is a concern. And I know what you mean. He he was better second half, and you know that was a you know a lovely pass, reverse pass he played to put Firmino in when he when he should have should have killed the game off. But I wasn't surprised he got taken off just because I thought still in general is they just you know when I think about some of the great wins Liverpool have had over City in recent years, especially the one at the Etihad last season, I think that first goal wasn't it? I think when Coutinho shut down Sanya at right back, and you know, and, and, and then you know, and Liverpool were were ahead inside six or seven minutes, and 
just how he, you know, he, it, that work ethic and, and, and the way he was always involved. But it's just, just not happened for him. And I don't know whether it is, you know, whether it is a bit f- physical in terms of, you know, the ankle or, you know, I, th- I think it just, it just looks to me like pretty much he's devoid of, of confidence more than anything else. And, you know, and just when things go wrong, I think his, his body language isn't great at the moment on the pitch. Um, and it is a worry for Klopp. I mean, the good thing is that Liverpool aren't so reliant on Coutinho that they can't function without him. But um, when you think there's a Merseyside derby on the horizon and Coutinho's got about 14,000 miles of travelling for two World Cup qualifiers, it's, it's not ideal. Um, you were going to mention Divock Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose, the, the, I suppose the, the other side to my surprise that Coutinho got taken off when he did was the fact that the option that Jurgen Klopp had on his bench was a Divock Origi who, despite being involved for both goals against Burnley, um, is similarly lacking confidence at the moment and looks an absolute shadow of the player um, that we were enjoying, say, March, April last year and, and that little month. Well, is he, uh, is he not is... kind of the same thing where he's had an injury which kept him out for quite some time and then he's come back and he's not quite ever regained it because he... Picked up the injury when he was in a great moment. I know it's nearly twelve months ago now, but you know, Coutinho, I mean, was, was, in, Coutinho was in a great moment. He got his injury, and, he, and while he might be physically fit, he's mentally not. As James says, not quite there. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but I mean, with Coutinho, for instance, I think he feels like he's now. I think played more games since he came back than he played before his injury. So he's had, you would have thought, plenty of time to get back into form. Um, Origi. I mean, he was really looking a player this time last year, wasn't he? I mean, he was keeping Sturridge out the side. He was looking like he was going to be Liverpool's centre-forward for the next five, six years. At the minute, he's someone who the, there, must, there must be a little question mark about him in the, in the summer for me. Well, they can't get rid of all the strikers, No, they, they can't, but he has to give him a, Have a look at Origi. Of, go away and have a look at the... No, don't mean go away. But it'll be a very dull pod of me on. Um, but I was just watching him on the um, the the lovely move that leads to the Lana uh, sitter uh, when he misses it. Have a look at Origi on on that. Now he's been brought on as a substitute. Klopp has clearly told him to shore up the right side, and he hasn't brought him just on as a as a forward. He's clearly told him to do a defensive job. But he's you can almost see him thinking about his defensive job. Instead of realising this is a massive moment, he should be piling into the area yeah. there. He's he's busy pointing with um, I think it's Wijnaldum who led the break or, or Manny. He's busy. He points at first to tell them where to play the ball, having stopped himself. Then he gets about as far as about two or three yards outside the box and doesn't go any further. Doesn't look to get involved, and it it, it just summed up his performance for me in that he offered absolutely no threat at all when he came on the pitch. In a game that was massively, we sometimes make excuses for Rigi in that oh, it was one of those really tight games where everyone was sat back. There's no space for him to open up his legs and use his pace. This game was made for him for the last. What did he get? Last twenty, mm-hmm. and um, and it, he, he 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 wasn't. He didn't do anything at all for me, and it was that's why it was made no sense to take Coutinho. Of course, Klopp can't look ahead and realise how how he's going to do. Maybe he was expecting more from him. But I was I was massively disappointed, and I've generally been a big fan of what Rigi can become. But I'm starting to worry that he's he should be further along with his development. I mean, how old is Rigi now? Twenty. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Uh, okay, so it's, it's not that old. It's it's not it's, not it's it's young, 
But I mean, when you when you look at what the uh, and it's wrong to compare him probably to the hottest property in European football. But when you look at what the lad at Monaco in pronounce it for me in but uh, uh, Christian's here not here uh, I'm afraid so he'll be able to that or, or, yeah, or whatever yeah. it is you know what, what he's doing at at 18 uh, ripping up the Champions League um, against City against City admittedly but he's having a hell of a season in France <laughs> if anyone saw the goal he scored yesterday um, so and you again that's a bit unfair to compare him to, to, to such a hot property but Origi was a hot property as well and um, I suppose I've just been a bit disappointed in what we've seen from him since he's, since he's come back and I, you know, I really hope that uh, we see something more out of him before yeah. the end of the year I think he must be very frustrating to coach and, and manage because if you're Klopp you must look at him and think he's got all the tools that you'd look for Everything. in centre forward like, yeah. you, there's nothing is there that he hasn't got between his, it's got to be between his yeah. ears, hasn't it? Yeah, but it was interesting when um, in La Manga in that training camp last month when his, uh, his cousin Arnold was over there, he's the goalkeeper for Lillestrom and did an interview with the two of them and they were, they were very close growing up and, and, and Arnold was talking about, I asked him about Divock and the, obviously the difficult season he'd had and there was one quote from him that kind of stood out where he said, you know, the only barrier for Divock in terms of his career is himself. Because yeah. he, you know, he then you know, effectively saying you know it's between his ears because you know every every, every you know he ticks every box, doesn't he? I yeah. think the the worrying thing for me is even yesterday when he came on, he was getting knocked off the ball. And when you think when he was when he was flying last season, you know that you know we, we, there was those stories about him. He'd had to go up a shirt size because he he bulked up so bulked. much, and you know defenders he, he were bouncing. He was great headers, wasn't he? He was yeah, winning great yeah, headers, scoring with headers, yeah. and just you know that strength and power and pace and. Don't forget, it was only two weeks ago that he was sitting the post against Arsenal and setting up that goal for one album. So he's not been absolutely abject. And you could argue that he's, as Andy said, he set up two goals against Burnley. I don't, I don't count so, a five-yard sideways past. He's got to make it. I, I, know, I know it goes down as an assist, but it was, make it. It was, and his ball into Wijnaldum for the equaliser against Burnley. Is, you know, it's a cross into feet in the box where a man's got three men around him. It's not a sensational yeah. bit of play, albeit that it, you know, Wijnaldum made it into something Speaking more. Speaking of strikers then, I'll throw this one at you, James. If Liverpool had a recognised striker playing for them against Manchester City yesterday, would they have won? Because Firmino had the chance where he was through. He had the other chance where he hit in the side net. He had another one as well, which I'd forgotten about. He had that one just wide. Or is it a question of Firmino's the person who knits everything else together? If you take him out, replace yeah, him with gonna, a striker, you're going to lose all of that. So yeah, which, which is areas, more important, somebody who knows where the back of the net is or somebody who knows how to work with this team and bring everybody else into the game? Because cause obviously the ultimate player is somebody who can do both. Yeah, but yeah, and that, and that's absolute what, fortune. And, well, that's what Klopp has to go and buy yeah. this summer, isn't it? Because he has to... You know, I, I think Firmino is a you know he, he he's he's shown he, he can you know he is, he is a goal scorer he's just not a he's not a, a prolific marksman is he he's not a I don't think he's ever going to be a twenty five thirty goal a season man and you know you you think to yourself some of those chances he had yesterday would Daniel Sturridge have put them away undoubtedly would have tucked at least one of them away but you know, could you imagine Daniel Sturridge have, have given you what Firmino gave you in terms of would Sturridge the, have done that pass for Lallana to miss. No, no, and he you know he wouldn't have he wouldn't have put defenders under pressure and forced errors like Firmino did. He wouldn't have linked play like Firmino did. But well, this isn't just picking on storage. This is just no, no, no. Just, just in general, just yeah. the, that's that's the problem, isn't it? Is you know, every player you know you get certain 
strengths off them and there's other weaknesses and you have to weigh up you know the the, the balance of that I think but no, I, I felt a bit I felt for, felt for Firmino a fair bit because bear in mind he'd only returned to full training the day before yeah. so you know he'd effectively had two weeks um, you know since the Arsenal game where he hadn't trained with the squad so I think that, that has to affect your sharpness in the final third um, and in the end it, it cost it cost Liverpool because you know he, he could easily have walked away clutching the match ball now what do we make of Pep Guardiola's comments after the game? Because obviously he came out, and I think, you know, he came out and said this was one of the proudest moments of his managerial career, basically. And I think perhaps he was trying to big up his own players in a way. I think that's what he was trying this, to do. This is, this is, you think the next, what is there, nine games left for in the league? Okay, so you're in the semi finals of the yeah. FA Cup, aren't they? Um, one out of the Champions League this week. Their season is in. Is in danger of um, is in danger of potentially being catastrophic if they if they didn't qualify well, for the it, Champions think, League. Not, this nearly happened uh, last season, didn't it? Where they kind of fell away, and it was only I think they got a, a result in the last game of the season, which stopped them, which stopped them falling out of the top uh, top four. United almost caught them up, especially Guardiola and what he's been brought into Man City to do, which is to create a team that can dominate Europe. Surely that's that's what they, they had managers who could win titles in in uh, Mancini and Pellegrini, and you know, as Liverpool new to their cost, and you know, Guardiola has been brought in to create a European project there, and um, for them, obviously they're in still in second now, aren't they? No, third, 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 third but yeah. but they're they're there, yeah, and but it's so tight that there's the potential that if the if being knocked out of the Champions League were to have a negative impact on their menta- mentality, then he knows that 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 you know just two or three games where you're off that could absolutely cost them. And I think why I completely understood his statement yesterday, and I actually think he was spot on because as Jim said earlier, I thought City showed incredible heart that I didn't think they had. Yeah, I thought that. I think I always had City down as a as a. Tough to find the right words, but as a team that a bit, bit that, flaky when things are going yeah, against them. And if 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 their talent won them the game, which their talent will win them many games, yeah. great. But if it came down to something more than talent, that that they were unlikely to produce it. And I thought yesterday, if you think about it, Liverpool, had a week to prepare for that game. City had three days. Um, they had a massive um, mental sort of blow to overcome in terms of going out of the Champions League and uh, and a very good Liverpool team uh, raring to go at them who could have gone above them with a win I thought and to go behind 1-0 um, I thought it was a, fan- a fantastic mental effort from City to raise themselves with, with no little obviously football and talent involved as well and while I know we're here to talk about Liverpool well, the, one the, the, the end of yeah. City's Season will have an impact on on Liverpool, yeah. and I, I would say, having watched them yesterday, they are a side that, for me, you can you can now look upon and say, Chelsea have got one of the Champions League spots. Obviously, I would say Manchester <coughs> City will have one of the Champions League spots, and I I wasn't convinced of that before yesterday. I am now, and that leaves Liverpool fighting for two with. Um, well, it's two, two from four, isn't it? I think um, Tottenham might get the other one simply because on the strength of the games that they've got left, even without yeah. Harry Kane. They don't have well, many difficult opponents. As you mentioned that, Ian, I have, I've just thought it'd be interesting just to look at Liverpool's remaining nine games 
And so obviously we go into the derby um, in a fortnight's time. Uh, Which is the last game against anybody from the top seven. Yeah, and they're unbeaten, then, they're unbeaten in eleven games. Is it against yeah, the top? That's right, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then you get into the tricky stuff. Yes, first Liverpool say. So you go Wednesday night home, home to Bournemouth, and then you get this run, which I think I mentioned in the pod last week, which I see as absolutely crucial. Away at Stoke, away at West Brom. We're seeing what West Brom did on the corners the other day, didn't we? Um, and then Jerry Henry wasn't happy. He was not happy. Home to Crystal Palace, who are obviously showing signs of revival. Uh, with Sacco at, at centre-back for them. Won't and be then, playing though, will he? No, he won't be playing. And then you've got um, Watford away. That we, we know we've struggled that there before for all that they don't seem the same as good a side this year. Um, home to Southampton, you'd be relatively confident. Tough, potentially tough away game at West Ham. And then home to Middlesbrough on the last day, which, my word, wouldn't you want something to be resting on that? Um, <laughs> I think they might be relegated by then. At that point, you would think they're on a beach. You would hope they are. Yeah. And um, so, uh, which is all to say, basically, that it's all there to play for for Liverpool. And I think you were mentioned yesterday in terms of the number of games the other sides all play against each other is pretty high. <coughs> um, so they will drop points, I think. Is it Arsenal Man U next? Or certainly there's a there's some big games. Well we can't not mention Everton because they're only six points behind Liverpool now. Well yeah, if they're, they were to well, come... but, but yeah, Everton's next two games are away at Liverpool and away at Man United, so we'll know more about them you know of the next couple of games. And I think United as I say they've got Everton did you say they've got Arsenal next? I am not I didn't check, but I'm, I know that there is that, yeah. that that game is coming up at and some then stage. they've got Everton, so again in the, it won't be that long, like a couple of games in where we'll know a lot awful lot more. Well, I mean if you if you're a Liverpool sport, and I'm presuming everyone who listens to this is, unless you're very sick, um, the <laughs> as sick as me and James at the moment. Uh, yes, uh, um, the the prospect of, of 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 Everton coming to Anfield and winning and putting them within three points of Liverpool, and that just that that's in it. That doesn't feel like the way their relative seasons have gone. But this run Everton have on it just shows you what you can do with a run. I mean, I think their home form in particular is just. Well, Everton's season's gone kind of in some ways the opposite to Liverpool where they've struggled okay Man City I think they beat, they beat Arsenal as well apart but they've struggled when they've come up against the leading opposition but they've managed certainly at home just to knock away all these the lesser lights they've had one or two iffy results away from home I think, I think Watford I think Arsenal approach a flat flat bullish well exactly and that's, and, but, uh, uh, Everton have got towards the end of the season I think they've, they've got Liverpool I'd say they've got United I think they've got Chelsea and they've got to go to Arsenal as well so we'll They've got a tough one. I think United have got to play nearly almost everybody. Yeah. And their record in those games isn't, isn't yeah. good this season. And of course, we, uh, we, we do, we'll talk about this far more as we run up to the derby, um, of course, but uh, we were reminded in the office today, of course, uh, Everton haven't won at Anfield. 18 years? 1999? This Kevin century? This millennium? This millennium, yeah. even. So, um, and I know people don't like you mentioning that because they all... They all think... Uh, it's your fault. It's your fault. Yeah. It was a little bit like, and to be fair, so it happened, Clavan said he didn't fear Aguero, so of course Aguero beat him and uh, and got a goal yesterday. But um, but really, you know, Clavan was very respectful in that interview about Aguero, but um, Aguero got in front. That was the, we didn't mention, but I was just really disappointed in the goal City actually scored yesterday. They, I just didn't think they had to beat anyone or do anything. But wasn't that just, really brilliant, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't it was just an accumulation of everything else? You know, yeah. it's not just running around, it's but the it, mental tide. But it's one ball to the well. wing, he doesn't beat Milner, he just 
Milner's a bit slow. He's a, he's a bit slow to get out. It felt like he was, and the cross should be blocked. Well, in that him. respect, it was a bit like Burnley's goal, a little yeah. bit. And then Clavan, uh, it, you know, he's just a yard off um, Aguero in terms yeah. of the Such movement. Such a good ball, though. Uh, this it's, thing, it's, it's so a, difficult to defend against. I wouldn't yeah. be too critical of they put, they put in a lot of those types of balls from those positions, didn't they? And the way they worked that space, I thought, was very impressive. Can we talk about Arsenal very briefly? Because they're obviously top four rivals for Liverpool. Uh, Arsene Wenger looks like he's saying, I don't know what the hell he's on about, to be honest. What is going on there? What is going I'm, on? Just uh, To be honest, absolutely stunned by those when those reports dropped on... Sunday night, saying that he'd made his made his mind up, and you're like, well, he's obviously going. So you know, when's he announcing? And then no, he's going to stay. Um, you, you just, you know, I, I'm a, I'm amazed because you know, if I, from, to be honest, from a Liverpool point of view, I'd have been more concerned if he'd have come out this week or today or whatever and said, I'm going at the end of the season, and, and I think they might, he might have got a response yeah. in terms of I think the abuse would have stopped, the protests would have stopped. I think it'd have been much more respectful. He might have even got a reaction off the players. Wouldn't, you know, with all that uncertainty no longer up in the air. Um, and I just, I think it has to work into Liverpool's favour, the fact that, you know, if, he, if he's serious about staying on, now you'd imagine that whether, whether they accept that, that, that that's going to be the case, you'd, you'd imagine they'd wait to the end of the season in terms of whether they've got top four. Well, the way it's going at the moment, I, you know, I, I, think, I don't think Arsenal are going to be in the picture. You can't you can't say this about a team that has too regularly filled one of these top four slots, but at this stage they look they look the least likely of Liverpool's rivals to actually make it to the top four because of the disruption there. That, that, that's including Everton as well. Yeah, I think I think but they've got more of a chance. Then you just think he always manages to do it. Doesn't he? he? I mean, he's always done it so far. What is it? He's it's... never had to deal with anything like no. this, has he? Like, <coughs> all players wanting to leave, and like, even that stuff about Ozil training and then not being in the yeah. squad, and Sanchez. I mean, I, I, I agree things aren't right there, are they? No, and I, I, I agree with you that it works to Liverpool's favour that that you potentially have a group of players who may not want them there next season, and will be prepared to show it, yeah. uh, or not show it on the pitch. That should work to Liverpool's advantage, but uh, it's um, you know there's a there's a lot of bridges to be crossed um, before then. Final thing, James. Well, me and you are struggling in the, in the after effects of the Manchester rain. Uh, certain Liverpool players are going off somewhere a bit more sunny. The IF Klopp has taken a rather depleted squad um, to Tenerife today for a training camp Monday to Friday. Exactly what he did this time last year, actually in the international break. Um, so I think Liverpool have got a dozen first-team squad players away on international duty, but the the rest of them uh, have gone over there. Same as last year, that you know the the, the numbers will be bolstered with uh, with with a, a fair uh, contingent from the academy. Um, so a big opportunity for those young players. I think it was you know, it was on that trip to Tenerife last year when Avi Ajaria really you know came to. Uh, Klopp's sights in terms of thinking, you know, this is someone I want to work with in pre-season. So, you know, that they just have to follow that example, really. In you know, big chance for them. I think, I, I don't, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a particularly intensive training camp. I think Klopp's invited players, families, wives, and kids and stuff. And um, you know, Monday to Friday, I think is the, you know, there'll be training, but there'll also be a fair bit of spare time and downtime. It's more of a, a bonding thing, I think. And then giving them the weekend off so I think a lot of them will probably choose to stay over there for the weekend and then kind of reassemble at Melwood early next week and 
yeah, just you just hope that you know those twelve that are away will come back unscathed. I think you know the, the two, the, the two to be most concerned about obviously is Coutinho and Firmino. The fact that they've got the most travelling to do, and they've also you know I think they don't play until the early hours of a week Wednesday against Paraguay and Sao Paulo. So you know there's no chance Klopp's going to see them before Thursday. And when you think the Merseyside derby is a Saturday lunchtime kickoff, that has to be a concern. One good bit, one one good bit of news is the fact that Sadio Mane hasn't got to go to Africa. You know, Senegal are playing. Uh, you know, You've got all Christian Watkins because uh, Senegal are playing. I think they're playing Nigeria at Barnet this week. Are they playing um, Barnet? Yes. Yeah. Are they Barnett. playing at Paris as well? <laughs> and then they're Paris. playing the Ivory yeah. Coast in Paris early next week. So, um, you know, I think that's that. That's a good thing. The fact that he's got very minimal travelling. Might, uh, might have to send you to Barna, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that should do us. Join us later this week where we will look ahead to what could be a massive game at Anfield. And who's playing, Andy? Uh, it's the Liverpool Legends. And who are they playing? Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Legends. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think they were going to play Real Madrid. <laughs> That'd be a good game. Anyway, right. Join us later this week. Cheerio.